Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Mir Malikpour. And we are discussing the uh, first chapter of Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind by the master, Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah, for sure. I'm very excited about this chat. Yeah, this is this is just spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got the, the that beautiful thick volume. I just got this uh, smaller volume from Viz. Uh, I I saw videos of that big volume. It looks incredible. Uh, this is, but anyway, that's a tangent for the moment. This is uh, uh, apparently different from the. Uh, Sorry, let me start again. This is uh, somewhat different from the anime, but uh, beautiful and complicated and dense and thoughtful and really presents an amazing hero's journey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I yeah. was just captivated by the world Miyazaki builds and by the uh, richness of the character of Nausicaa. Yeah, yeah. And his art, which uh, apparently he mocked later on in his career, I think is just spectacular. As far as I could tell, he didn't have any assistance on this either. So he worked on this completely by himself. Uh, I guess the seven volumes took him a, a space of like 15 years to create. Yeah. This is really his, his life's journey to create the story of Nausicaa. And um, it is like as good as any comics anywhere in the world. I know it's like this guy like I'm sure a lot of comic artists hate him it's like what the hell you come in from another medium and you create this amazing work of art and then you just leave and go back to the other thing that you do amazingly <laughs> animation so uh you were the one who suggested these the, the we talk about this book uh what's it that really appeals to you so I actually, I had not read this before. So this is the first, I'm going to try to finish this. It's like, I think there's like nine chapters, 130 pages each and stuff. And he, I mean, like to your, when you mentioned is he did it all by himself, which is amazing. What I, and, but there is, I've read the first chapter a little bit in the past. Like, I think in that, in like little issues that came out from Wiz or Viz and, um, I loved it. I mean, I love Miyazaki's work. Um, I love his art. Like I've, I've got some of his art books. And so reading this, it, it just, it's, a, it's amazing. It blew me away the more I thought about it. I mean, the art's amazing. A little bit of a history. Miyazaki was really good friends with uh, Mobius. So I did a little bit of back reading. You probably know this, but like he actually his intention was to do a Mobius style comic. Oh, okay. So if you look at it, like a lot of his stuff reminds me of Mobius. It's like, you know, manga combined with Mobius. It's beautiful. I mean, it's just beautiful. And then in addition to that, I mean, past the art, which is, you know, what always draws me in, is that really thinking about the story being about pollution and how man has ruined nature and then you start to think a little bit deeper about it. And you think about being from Japan. And I'm, I'm assuming Miyazaki is around 75, close to 80. And so being born 
either during the war, World War II or not so much after World War II when the bomb fell? He was born in 1941. Fell. Wow. So he was like five when, when we bombed them. We bombed Japan mm -hmm. with the two atom, you know, atomic bombs. And having been around that and experiencing what the characters here are going through, like the health reasons, health way, and how Earth's ecosystem is becoming poisonous and just that whole background i i don't know i don't know enough about japanese history i don't know about japanese artwork and see how much of that since 1946 or uh has been influenced by what happened then but just to think about just being part of that and having experienced a little bit of war on my own side my own life um, just knowing that like that background of this fantastical story is earth people doing harm to earth and then like creatures dying as a result of it there's a part that was really heartbreaking to me and we're not even talking about amazing art which is like mind-blowing there's a part where I think somebody says like you know I guess I think it's the master the one that's like he's kind of like the Yoda to her mm -hmm. Um, he's saying like, yeah, I understand like the earth being angry at human beings for polluting it, but why, why is earth killing birds and plants? They didn't do anything to earth. And that's the cruelty of war, the cruelty of whatever the, you know, the nature, like cruelty of nature or like the neutrality of nature. Nature is neither good or bad, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's a big part of this book that everything is caught in the middle of this war that we had against ourselves as a species, and that they're just all treated as collateral damage. At the same time, the new forms of life are being created. Yeah, I think there's a reference in here to over a hundred thousand new species of creatures mm -hmm. uh, uh, come to life, uh, especially you know these incredible bug creatures. Mm -hmm. that are so much a part of the story and um i think in some ways does it feel to you like nausicaa is like this bridge she represents a kind of potential for hope i mean it kind of reminds me of now that you think about the bugs you know it's like it's kind of like dune yeah it's like uh yeah like the hope for the at least from what my view of dune is is like the hope you know, she's, it's a classical story of hope. And, and the other thing going back to war is, I think there was a part in it where um, they were mentioning that she's not great at war. You know, she's mm -hmm. more of a peaceful, she doesn't want like, you know, she's going to be a leader for peace kind of like that's, that's the insinuation there is like to bring about peace for everyone in the world, as opposed to be like a great general. I mean, she is, she's really good at it, but she's like, more than just a general that leads people to fight, but like wants to bring some type of positivity to the world. Her heart is in bringing peace to the world. Exactly, yeah. And that's her approach to things. You could see it by the fact that she can really communicate with the creatures. Yeah, because I mean, the other the antagonist, the other general who's also a girl or a woman, I'm not sure, I think they're both girls or young, 
Mm -hmm. um, she's really good tactically and a great general, but all the stuff that we see, another thing that I want to point out from like the casualties of war is that there is like a huge amount of like children dying during these things. Like all those planes when they're going, like their, their moms and the children like dying. It's not really soldiers. It's like actual like total innocence. Like I see that influence of like anti-war, you know, fearing of man's cruelty to, or humans' cruelty to humans. And then like the pollution and like how we have a responsibility and like she's it's just it's a beautiful it's the futility and the pointlessness of having uh humans kill humans when there's so few humans left on the earth yeah that our species just can't help escape our inherent need to kill each other and attack each other with whatever means are there and there's such a resonance to them using the old equipment in order yeah. to fight each other too. Uh, you know, Nausicaa is like one of the few who can fly that, uh, was it old abandoned kind of like a helicarrier kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, very, and they have to, she's kind of their ally. She's an ally to others because she's able to pilot it. And, mm -hmm. and so she has this kind of ability to control the war. And so it's almost sort of like our, but my point is that the, the nature of humanity, it's such that we can't, prevent ourselves from fighting against each other yeah yeah the funny thing is like i think there's a point where they don't even know how to like build these machines yeah but they still keep using it it's almost kind of like you're they're still holding on to this obsolete antiquated like stuff that like you should let go of this we should let go of killing people you should let go of like things that like shoot people and kill people because you don't even know how it works anymore all you know is you just use it to kill people you know it's a great metaphor i think you're alluding to which is uh we 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 have to use we can't let go of the fact that these are the things that we can use to kill each other that we have that humanity feels like it has to continue fighting yeah whether it's whether it makes sense or not in this world i think it's it's so funny it's very um i don't know <laughs> not getting political or anything but like when people say like well it's not perfect but it's the only thing that's worked so far I was like well that doesn't mean it's a good thing just because it still keeps going doesn't mean we can't get better you know right and i haven't read beyond the first volume either uh i watched the anime but i understand the anime is pretty different uh just doesn't feel like there's i don't know we'll, we'll see how the character evolves but yeah it, it's got this this strong element of would you call it despair or more melancholy i mean that's the other yeah it's i think it's melancholy and despair and i see that in miyazaki's stories mm -hmm. or it's like the first time i saw i mean i'm not a big miyazaki aficionado but i've seen i think i've seen a couple of animated films from him and i always felt like oh this is going to be a kids movie or it's going to be yay yippee jay joe it's like a disney even disney is pretty joyous you know mm -hmm. but there's always this like scary stuff in his stories and there's always this despair that like even when the movie ends you're like oh why is that lingering even though i feel really good but there's something lingering and i do feel like there's sadness because you see kids die you see like specifically you see kids die 
The other thing that was really heartbreaking was the part where they had to destroy the oldest tree in town. Yeah. Because um, and and the reason they had to destroy it was because these stupid soldiers just landed wrong, like on the land. They could have just been careful and like to try to. And then it also reminded me where they're all like, uh, you know how they're flying one of the soldiers like, Princess, do I still have to keep my mask on? <laughs> that hit me too. It was like, wait, 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 this totally feels real. Uh, and by the way, if, if people discover this podcast years from now, there was a pandemic in 2020 <laughs> and whatever. Yeah, I think they'll remember the pandemic. No. change everybody's life it's why we no longer have to drive into work anymore yeah well thank god for that by the way some of us yeah yeah are you uh, we could talk i about don't that. i don't <laughs> talk it's about that separately problem. yeah right because because we're non-essential workers yeah that's a yeah. good point um but then we're off on a tangent um but yeah so it's 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 really i mean you think about it, this was done in the early 80s and it's like I don't think this kind of topic will ever get old. And the characters are amazing. You know, um, is it Kushana, the um, the adversarial? Uh, I think that's general? right, yeah. And then there's uh, her um, cunning, like, ad advisor who, like, she tries to kill, but he's too smart not to die. You know, and, like, pretty, really interesting. Like, in one chapter, you get, like, a whole... And it's a lot of pages, 134 pages, but no, it's but it's a very, full world, right? Yeah, it's like a dense manga. Usually, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't even classify this as a manga. I would just say uh, it's like a comic. It's like a mixture of European and Japanese form. You know, you know I think the closest analogy is Tolkien. Yeah, is he creates Miyazaki creates this entire world inside these 130 pages that you kind of you have to either take it in and appreciate it or just you can't really fight against it mm -hmm. right and he brings in so many different elements you know he brings in the idea of the sea of corruption spreading that it's consuming the world that the omu these giant insects that we were talking about a minute ago are uh both the kind of uh nausicaa's allies and also these creatures that are basically destroying civilization because they release those spores that destroy the world destroy uh the world that the humans live in uh there's this idea of cosmic retribution for the fire that humans brought on the world mm -hmm. and then the larger resonance of that around uh, basically a post-war japanese society living in the shadow of the atom bomb you know and there's all these different elements that are enormous that are just build on this story this idea of humanity being limited um and yet the and he also still keeps the focus so strongly on the characters too you know the battle with with yupa and yupa is not necessarily a bad character either you know there, there's no real villain in this story per se but there is a war so there's this kind of sense of being forced into a confrontation that you don't want to have on a few different levels and all this feels very there's other creators obviously other than Tolkien who created these large fictional worlds that are you know deeply fascinating George R.R. Martin is one uh, but you know it, it feels in that epic tradition and I think the film only alludes to some of that where like the manga because Miyazaki had a thousand pages or so to tell the story uh, there's just a lot more here 
Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big book. It's like two thick books to read, but I'm, I'm excited about, you know, reading the rest of it. Well, it's dense too. Yeah, that's not, that's not a negative. Right, right. But I'm used to thinking of manga as something that, uh, I guess we decompressed, right? Mm. Where, you know, the scenes will take a while. And even in, you know, older manga, like, blackjack or something like a surgery scene will take many pages here a battle will just take a couple pages because Miyazaki has so much he wants to move on to mm-hmm. yeah it's very dense it's definitely a different uh I mean from a I mean again like I'm I have so much to discover with manga and I'm noticing uh the gegeka is the ones that are like real dense comics which is like there's a lot of writing and a lot of like like my favorite mangaka is uh teo matsumoto and he's similar to in a sense that like you just don't finish like a whole book in like 30 minutes you have to like takes a couple hours and then there's a lot of story and like background and character it's like a character driven and and i think that's what makes nausicaa part of what makes nausicaa so great Mm-hmm. you were talking about the friendship with Mobius. So they were friends. I haven't read much about this at all. They were friends even before Nausicaa. Yeah, they're friends. Actually, uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, um, Mobius's daughter's name is Nausicaa. Oh, really? If I'm not mistaken, I believe, yeah. He even oh. has done artwork, like a little pinup for uh, Nausicaa. Yeah. They're very good friends. I mean, these are two masters of their medium, you know, from, and they both worked in movies and comics and everything, you know. Oh, that's so interesting. I mean, you, you know, as a Mobius fan, I'm sure you picked up on that from the very beginning. The first page has that really strong elements of Azark and Airtight Garage. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the... The, the Arzak, it looks like that bird. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can absolutely imagine Mobius in that. Mm-hmm. And this book, uh, the art, the level. Of, go ahead. I'm sorry, I was just gonna say it's intentional too. Like, uh, like specifically is an allusion to Arzak. And the detail also is. Yeah. I don't know. You could actually, in that way, the detail is different from Mobius's style, from Giraud's style. Yeah, because part of what made Giraud so great was this minimalism in his work. Such an incredible use of negative space. And this work is the opposite. It's dense. Mm -hmm. Not just story-wise, but also art-wise. I mean, uh, for example, like page 33, the the battle scenes, 32 and 33, are like there's so much going on here in those pages. Oh, yeah. I mean, he he did... So there's so much he's done here. Like I was thinking of for, for Miyazaki, so much. Like um, dog, they call them dog fights, right? In like World War II, where like yeah, you know, it's like it used to be like um, anyways, just the plane fights in World War II. He, I've heard that a lot of artists have a hard time doing that because it's usually in movies it looks cool, but in in comics it looks kind of boring because it's not it's static mm-hmm. but this did not look boring like his dog fights are like crazy awesome like with the angles 
the closest one I could think of just from me having seen one was one that uh, Alex Toth did for, that was written by Harvey Kurtzman. You can find it in one of these EC artist editions. Yes. Um, so it's very similar to that. So there's, you got that mastery there. And then you have on page, I think in the sixties or something when he has, when she's fighting the, uh, the knight, I think it's page 61. It's like Otomo's, um, um, gosh, it's like Akira, like the mm -hmm. action and like the speed lines and like the manga style fighting. It's like, whoa, like he's like from an action perspective, he knows how to do everything. And then, of course, like emotions, you could even though like the characters are, you know, they're like the classical manga look you know the big eyes and everything you could see the emotions in her face you know in Nausicaa's face it's great it's awesome it's what we're talking about is basically why he was such a unique talent mm -hmm. and he still is I mean I wish he'd done more comics but why would he it's his choice to do whatever he wants to in do. Japan you can make good money doing comics too but um the animation i mean he became a revolutionary in animation he well and i, I think it's significant this was his first major work right he, he had done a lupin cartoon before this but then the adaptation of this into anime form was his first major hit and it's credited for creating or allowing studio ghibli to create to be created mm -hmm. and I mean, so many of the elements that make Studio Ghibli great are in this, right? Like you're saying, the melancholy, uh, the complexity, the the incredible visual style, the mix of action and, and heart to it, the strong characters. It's it's, it's all here in this work. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's in the DNA. Yeah, I'm looking for more comics from him, and he doesn't have. Um, I think there's one coming out at the end of the year called Shuna's Journey. Okay. No, I don't think he did very much. And I, it's because he was so busy. Um, amazing. Amazing. I need to watch the, I mean, I'm going to try to finish this book first before watching the animation, the, card, the film. So it says in the back of this volume, some of Miyazaki's literary works include Houses Where Totoro Lives, Shuma's Journey, What is a Movie in Conversation with Akira Kurosawa, Princess Mononoke, and a book called Starting Point, which is his essays. So I guess he does have a Princess Mononoke uh, manga of some sort. Hmm, interesting. I didn't know that. I'm very curious to read that. Um, this is, yeah, I keep I keep paging through here. I was doing this the last day or two also. I keep paging through here and just finding one scene after another that I would just want to stop at and kind of just, mm -hmm. just like let my eyes dwell on it. You know, there's a, the book starts so well in the first few pages when, um, when Nausicaa's flying through the woods and then crashes her glider at the uh, at the worm 
I guess I want to I keep wanting to call it a worm, right? At at the uh, at the omu, and just like the the way that everything breaks up in the woods when she crashes, and like the incredible momentum of of what uh, Mizaki draws, but also the detail on the omu and how it just has such a beautiful design. I mean, there's just so much here. You know what I compare this to as much as anything, Amir, is um, the the new movie of Dune. Oh, okay, cool. You know how we get through, you've, you've watched it, I'm sure. I haven't watched it yet, no, actually. Oh, I, it's, um, it's incredible. And one of the things that's incredible about it is it throws you into this world and gives you this full feeling of what's there, but doesn't really slow down to explain what's happening but gives you enough so you understand what you need to understand at first watch. So it's completely alienating in that it's a different world with different creatures that is confusing and weird, but it's also not alienating in that you still have something to relate to and still has implications to our actual world that we live in, in the real world. And Miyazaki does that here in this manga. Uh, it was just masterful way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to spend more time in this world, although I'm terrified of spending more time in this world too. I don't want to spend time in this world, like literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, it's, it was a beautiful book. I'm going to try to read more of it. It is tough because it is dense and it is sad and, but I mean, it's beautiful and it's great storytelling, great characters. And I think the Torrance Smith translation is really fantastic too. Mm -hmm. Like I love this, like the Valley of the Wind was a small kingdom on the edge of the frontier, given frail protection against the poisons of the sea of corruption by the constant winds blowing through from the ocean. It just flows really nicely. Mm -hmm. Torrance Smith is a, I've heard that name. Is he um like pretty popular translator he was a big translator for quite a few years yeah mm -hmm. yeah and then we didn't talk at all about how uh the world gets uh, Miyazaki does something where he talks about the world transforming you know how the old life forms give way to new life forms and it's kind of this constant uh, churn of geological change um, and there's this really interesting part on page 86 where um, we hear the life forms of the forest almost seem bent on destroying the plants and animals of the old world. The priests of Turkia say it's the wrath of heaven, God's punishment for our pollution of the world during the seven days of fire. Mm -hmm. the, this idea of renewal, of the world changing and growing and moving on, whether or not humanity is here. Uh, is actually really terrifying to me. This is, you know, the world's going to change. We may or may not live. We may kill our, ourselves before anything happens. Um, or we may kill ourselves before the world truly changes, but we may not have any chance to live in this world anyway. There's no clean water. There's hardly any clean food. Uh, this feeling of being trapped in this world. I could go on about this book forever. Yeah. It's great. Cloud masterpiece.
is a masterpiece. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for talking about this with me. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. I'll see you next week, Amir. See you next week. Thank you.